Welcome to Indie Matters, the podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And I'm your co-host, Alex Kuro. And Alex, this week we only have two stories because uh, there are big stories this week. So we wanted to give them the time to breathe. Uh, and the first one is an interview that our reporter Carly Savageo did with Mayor Carolyn Goodman, who's the mayor of Las Vegas and is going to be termed out next year. So we got a nice retrospective on her career. Yeah, I'm excited to hear that one. And then I didn't make it out to the solar eclipse this past weekend, but I did interview you about it and you talked to our photographer, Daniel Clark. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to chat more about that later on in the show. I get to be a rare interviewee instead of the interviewer on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm here with reporter Carly Savageo. And Carly, a few weeks ago, you sat down with Mayor Carolyn Goodman of Las Vegas for about an hour to chat about her career, right? Yeah, I did. So her husband ran before her for 12 years and Carolyn had 13 years and her husband, Oscar, had uh, 12 years. So altogether, by the time Carolyn Goodman turns out, she has about another year, a little bit less than that. But they will have a quarter of a century them together as mayors of Las Vegas. Yeah. And so you sat down with Mayor Goodman just to understand how she got where she is today and everything. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what the discussion was like. It was a lot about like getting to know her as a person. It was it was a profile, which profiles are my favorite thing to do. If I could just do (laughs) profiles, I would be very happy, but they take (laughs) a lot of work. But yeah, just talking about her, like what informs her thoughts, who she is as a person, her background, as you will hear on the pod. She grew up in New York in like a very affluent family and everything that happened with COVID and just her time as mayor. All right. Well, there is now a race to replace her that will probably feature a long list of candidates, including um, current members of the city council and former Congresswoman Shelley Berkeley. It's really starting to heat up a year out from the election. So keep an eye out for lots of coverage on that. And with that, let's uh, jump into your interview, Carly, with uh, Mayor Carolyn Goodman. Uh, there will also be a piece out later this week that you wrote. If you want a longer, more in-depth version of this interview, you can find that on our website, thenevadaindependent.com. So thanks so much, Carly. Thank you, Joey. Can you talk a little bit about your parents, like uh, where you were born, where you grew up? Okay. I grew up in the heart of Manhattan. My parents were multi-generation New Yorkers. My father was an obstetrician and gynecologist. My mom was all but her dissertation in economics and from Columbia University, where her father, who was a great deal older than she, was head of economics, a friend of Teddy Roosevelt's. They say, and every document I read talks about his responsibility, sadly, for creating the process of income tax and went to school there. I have an older sister, had a beautiful life where we were more seen, be seen, but not heard in those days, a very traditional conservative life. Went on to college at one of the women's uh, colleges, Bryn Mawr, where I studied sociology and anthropology. I was head of the student government there by senior year and had a great education, which set me up for everything else. Of course, met my husband, who was at college, at an all-boys college called Haberford. And we started dating. And when we fell in love, 
He had no idea what he wanted to do, but ultimately decided that he would try law school, which he hated, which I'm sure you probably know, hated law school, and then decided that he wanted to try a new place to live. He was Philadelphia. And so in 1964, we packed up our 37 boxes of books, a bedroom set, and moved to Las Vegas with less than 100,000 people here. Oh, what was your like first thoughts when you saw Vegas? We drove across the country and got to the dam. It was 125, came down over Railroad Pass. As far as the eye could see, there was nothing, and rolling sagebrush. And to our left were a couple of well-spaced buildings, and far straight ahead, more buildings, but all low buildings. That was Fremont Street and the left with a couple of buildings that could have been three or four stories only, that was the strip. And I looked at Oscar, and I thought, my parents were right. I never should have married him. This is a hole here. But we had $87. He had a job with the DA, and he said, we have $87 to our name. I'm sorry, but you'll have to go back to work because we can't live. And so I went to work at the Riviera Hotel in advertising, publicity, and marketing. Was there until 66, end of August, and went over to Caesars Palace to work for Nate Jacobson and Jerry Zarowitz, who were two of the three leaders building Caesars Palace, the third one being Jay Sarno. And was there until... 69, did some work for the Department of Labor on the West Side, counseling. By then, the clock was ticking, and we decided time for children. And we had these four beautiful little kitties that are 42 months apart. They're all adopted. Can you talk a little bit about your and Oscar's relationship? Like how how you've been together for decades? Like how have you stayed together? We just celebrated our 61st wedding anniversary last June, this past June. Oh, wow. And uh, right. And we've been, we married in 1962 back in New York City. And he had a wonderful magnetic personality, very bright, very well read, so artistic. And for 62 years, we've been laughing a lot. And so I think humor in a relationship's critical. And of course, respecting each other and allowing each to fly their own way. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like being mayor of Las Vegas during COVID? Well, you know, I was appalled by the closure because the reality is, you know, there is so much discourse now on who has rights to what. I was a firm believer and remain so when our governor at that time decided to shut down not only the Strip, but the schools because of anthropology, sociology, and psychology and behavioral development. It didn't take a rocket scientist to know you can't do that to children. In the history of this country, diseases and typhoid and polio, all of that, we lived through it. They never shut things down and were people and let us choose for ourselves. It's interesting because of the old days where you picked up the phone or you made an appointment, or you somehow walking on the street could ask. Now we have so many avenues of pathways for commentary, be it the cell phones, be it your Zooms and email and everything else. We were buried in not city complaints so much as was the entire state. 
figuring that we could take care of Dieter, the Department of Education Training and Job Placement or whatever, because they weren't, they couldn't get their funds. They couldn't eat. They couldn't shop. I mean, when I say buried, I mean buried with complaints that were, oh my, these people were suffering so bad. Kind of pivoting to Mm -hmm. like, what are, what are some of like biggest accomplishments that you had during being mayor? Being mayor. I don't know. I think there are just so many little things and it's, I never look at it as an accomplishment because we're a great team of people. It's been like, I don't care whether it's the people that work in the custodial department. I just saw one downstairs after I finished the video and gave him a hug. I hadn't seen him in five years. I didn't know he was still working here or whether it's our city management. Is there anyone that you think would like you endorse to be the next mayor who would be good? You know, I think you, you have to let the people vote. The people are the ones. It's The only thing is you hope that they do the research to find out truly. And it has to be all encompassing. I happen to be Jewish. I don't, I'm not just the mayor for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. I'm mayor for everybody. And I want everybody and have four 12 years. I will, you don't hear me promoting one aspect, one side of anything. We are a community and that's our blessing is that we are so diverse with so many different cultures, cuisines, clothing, concepts. Uh, it's the blend of all of us that, that's so wonderful. What are your and Oscar's plans going forward and how are you feeling? Like, what do you have planned after you are termed out? Well, I I can't judge for him and he's forever. He's his unique own, own self. I mean, he's just such fun and he has lots of things going. And as for me, I try, tried my lifetime twice to retire. And after six weeks, I thought, nope. So I have no idea what's next. There will be something at this point. I have another year and a half. So my concentration's here. We have a lot of issues with which we're dealing. And I hope through modeling and help, I don't mean physically modeling, the whole self is deteriorated with age. I'm talking about modeling for what we're doing in the courtyard with the homeless, how we're trying to help in education here in the city, how we're trying to help families get their lives in order and get back to raising children that want to be had and that are supported in a positive future. So, no, I'll not retire. I can't. Well, I'm here with my partner in crime, Joey. Hello. Hello. (laughs) I'm welcoming you. You should be welcoming me. I'm on the other end of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm welcoming you. Thanks for talking to me. Like, this is a rare occasion where you're on the opposite end of the interview. I was just telling you before we started recording that I'm actually a terrible interviewee. I'm a much better interviewer. <laughs> and then I said, I don't believe you, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Yes. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about the solar eclipse that happened this past weekend, which here in Nevada, we were actually lucky enough to have a full annular solar eclipse and I didn't get to see it, but you did. So where did you go? Yeah. So if you were in Reno or in the northern part of the state or the eastern part of the state, you could see most of the solar eclipse, maybe 80, 90 percent of the moon covering up the sun. 
but I went out to like the Rochester silver mine is really what I was really close to. It's about an hour and a half South of Winnemucca. Uh, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. I was with some friends and it was a pretty cloudy day actually. And we saw a lot of people pulled over on the side of the road. And I think everyone was really like worried and stressed because like there was tons of clouds and they're just like, oh my God, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see it. We were driving around and we ended up going up this dirt road out into the desert. And then like right as it was like reaching its full coverage of the sun, we, we like there was a break in the clouds and we could see it. So it was like a uh-huh kind of moment. Yes, it was very, it was very exciting. And I know I've been seeing those little glasses that in all like the Home Depots and everything, why do we have to use those to see the eclipse? Yeah, so you got to use those to look at the sun. Uh, they block out a ton of light and otherwise you're going to burn your retinas and damage your your eyeballs. <laughs> um, so you put those on so you can see it. But actually where we were at certain points, we didn't have to wear them because the clouds were so thick. We could see the sun as just like a, if you remember, there were like some fires a couple years ago in Reno and you could just see the sun as like a red orb. It was like that, but it wasn't a red orb. Uh, instead of smoke, it was just clouds. So yeah, we did have them sometimes. We had to put them on our eyes, but I was also taking photographs. So I was just looking at the LCD monitor on my camera. And so I could just look at that instead of directly into the sun. And it, uh, that worked out as well. And just so I can be sure about the terms here, what is an annular eclipse? Yeah, so there's a lot of different types of solar eclipses. There's a partial solar eclipse, which if you lived in Reno and stayed there, you'll, you would have seen a partial solar eclipse. And then there's annular and total solar eclipses. A total solar eclipse is when the moon is directly between the Earth and the sun, and it covers the sun totally. So you actually don't, don't get any, any sunlight hitting the Earth for a second. And so you can actually look at it without glasses just for a brief moment because it's completely covering the sun. An annular solar eclipse is the same concept, except the moon, because it orbits the Earth in an ellipses instead of in a perfect circle, it's at the furthest point away from the Earth. So it's actually so far away from the Earth and so small that the sun is actually, in relative terms, bigger to our eyes than the moon is. So the moon creates like a perfect circle in, in front of the sun. And so the sun still peeks out around the edges. And so you get this ring of fire, as they call it. So you still can't look directly at the sun during an annular because you're always getting sunlight passing by the moon. I'm from Oregon and I did see the last eclipse. And I know like when the moon is right over the sun, you see all these little like crescents everywhere. Did you see mm -hmm. those? Yeah, yeah. So if you look at like the shadows right on the ground, they, they look like crescents and the shadows look much different. And it was really cool because not only was that the case with like these cool shadows, but there were a lot of birds out where we were and they were all freaking out. Because they like, I think they thought it was dusk or, or something. That's what my, my scientist friend that I was out there with, he was like, oh, I think they think it's dusk. So they were all like making lots of noise and being weird. And it was also really cool because it got really cold when the moon went over the sun. It got very, very cold for, for about five or 10 minutes. And I actually had to throw on another coat. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Wow. The earth is wild. And how often do these happen? Yeah, so annular solar eclipses are actually rarer than total solar eclipses. And in fact, like a million, million years ago, we didn't even have them. The moon is slowly drifting away from the Earth. But at any one point in a year, it's about every 18 months we get a total solar eclipse. And then it's less frequent for an annular solar eclipse. It just depends on where you are, too, in the world. Nevada's not going to see another eclipse uh, until 2045. And that one's going to be a total solar eclipse. And then the next annular solar eclipse that goes over Nevada, again, that's where you get to see the ring of fire. 
really won't be until 2046, but it just barely nicks the northwestern corner of the state. So really the next good one that you'll be able to see in the state isn't until 2077. Um, so these are these are pretty rare, and it, it's a pretty cool opportunity to get to see one. You might only get to see one or two in your lifetime. So it's a pretty big deal to get to see these. And I think it was a bummer that I, a lot of people weren't able to see them because of the cloud coverage. But me and my friends got really lucky. We got to see some, and it did clear towards the end of the eclipse. So even though there were a lot of people out there that probably didn't get to see the moon at the perfect point when it, you got that ring of fire, you did get to see the moon partially covering the sun at some points, mm -hmm. which kind of make it look pretty interesting and bizarre. Yeah. I wish I could have seen it. Did you get to speak with anyone else? We were out there in the middle of nowhere, and the only other people around us were some miners and these big haul trucks, and uh, we weren't about to try and flag one of those down to ask them <laughs> if they were interested in seeing it. Uh, although we did go hiking later in the day, and we saw this this guy, and we asked, oh, are you out here looking at the eclipse? And he was like, no, I'm actually out here hunting for fossils. Was there an eclipse today? And I was like, how could you miss that? It got dark. But um, yeah, he totally missed it. He was just out rock hunting. But nice fellow. But yeah, we were the only people that, uh, me and my two friends, we were the only people that were out there, at least where we were, uh, out by the silver mine, looking at the eclipse. Well, I know someone else that works with the Indy was also out in Ely and saw the eclipse. And I heard that you're talking to him. Yeah, so I talked to photographer Daniel Clark, uh, who was out in Ely, and uh, we'll jump over to that interview now and hear uh, about his experience. Photographer Daniel Clark. Daniel, you do a lot of photography for us, as well as uh, all across the southern Nevada, Las Vegas, and now up into the eastern uh, Ely as well, huh? Yep. I, I tend to travel a lot. I went to school in Reno, and one of my favorite towns is uh, West Wendover, so I'm all over the place. Yeah, and so you were out photographing the eclipse like I was, and you got some amazing photos. So you, were you in Ely taking photos? Yeah, I was actually just north of Ely. Got a friend who owns some property out there, so actually closer to Centerline than Ely. That's awesome. So is this your first eclipse uh, that you photographed or how many eclipses have you photographed? I tried to photograph one that was a partial a couple of years back uh, that we could see from Vegas. It was cloudy that day and I got just a couple little things and it just like slid past, but nothing quite like what I got to see this weekend. So what was it like watching it and photographing it, but then also just experiencing it in person? Well, first of all, I decided to go and my wife was like, let's take the whole family. We looked into it too late and we were going to book a hotel and they were all booked, obviously, by the time they were probably booked two or three years ago, <laughs> people realized. But we took our camper up and we set it up on this on a, a family friend's property and and having the kids out there was great and seeing them with their little glasses and stuff. I told myself that I was going to experience it first and then take pictures. So like to experience first photos if they happen. Mm -hmm. And I actually had to create something because I don't own a solar filter. I, I took these glasses that you do. I cut it in half and then I put black tape around the edge and I just <laughs> held it in front of the camera, which it worked great. And it didn't wow. cost me like $200 or however much those solar filters cost. So yeah. I was pretty happy about it. That's awesome. And how, how was it like with the kids and the family? You know, what were their reactions when they were like watching the eclipse happen? Well, one of my kids was just yelling at me to give him Wi-Fi. But when it actually started happening, they just started running around saying, it's happening. When once it finally went over where you could like see the complete make the circle, everybody was just quiet. It's like silence. It was, and it was like dark out, which was cool. Never experienced anything like it before. It's like it really makes you feel how how small you are, which everybody says, but it's true. Even where we were in like a pretty rural area north of Ely, there were still like tents 
and campers and like like you could just look out over this valley we were in and they were just like dotted throughout the entire valley there were just these like just little campsites people drive out there they drive far enough away from people that they can enjoy it to themselves but like you just see for, as far as the eye can see just like people waiting and then everybody looking up all at once it's just pretty cool and you guys got lucky because you didn't have many clouds where you were right no none it was like zero clouds it was like the perfect thing sorry <laughs> yeah yeah well the clouds are cool but it was definitely yeah. like a, a stressful race against the clouds to try and find the spot mm -hmm. where you could see it all well daniel thank you so much for chatting with me about this i appreciate it uh it's always cool to hear from a photographer's perspective um and you, you take great photos for us and so you've got some great photos do you want to plug your instagram or anything yes uh, i'm at dan j clark photo for my photography and at d clark words for my writing so all right. Yeah. And you've got a sci-fi book coming out in November. I'm very excited to read it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I like it. All right, Daniel. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. We want to thank Mayor Carolyn Goodman, Carly Savageau, and Daniel Clark for being on the show today. This show is produced and edited by me, Joey Lovato, and Alex Kuro, with additional help from Michelle Rendells. If you want to support the show, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. You can also email us at podcast at theenvyindie.com. Our theme song is from Emily Pratt, and we have additional music from Storyblocks, June Pearson, and Joey. Thank you for listening to Indie Matters. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And I'm your co-host, Alex Kuro. And we'll talk to you next week. All right, I'm ready to be interviewed and I'm probably going to mess this up a lot because I'm actually really bad at being interviewed. <laughs> How can you be bad at being interviewed? I'm really, I'm not good at it. I stumble a lot. I'm like, I can't, I'm like much better.